Hello everybody, our radio show today is entitled, What is your customer's experience of your business? It's an interesting one, and uh, subtitled, Interior Design and Creating a Successful Business. And what I'll be doing is talking to Elisa Newey. Elisa, I'll give you her background now. She works with business owners and franchisors, working to create memorable experiences for customers in hospitality and retail businesses. As a multidisciplinary designer with a background in architecture, industrial and retail design, Elisa focuses on assisting business owners looking to build a strong brand as they expand or franchise. She's very active. She's a director and lead designer for Renew Design, and she's worked with some significant franchise and corporate retail clients, including Place Real Estate, Australia Post, Esteem Media Spa, and Brisbane City Council. She's got a passion for passing on her experience to young designers and she lectures in customer experience and design at Griffith University. So Lisa, good morning and how are you today? Good morning Brian, I'm very well this morning and thank you for including me to allow me to talk to your client base as well. Oh look, thank you, the, 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 uh, the gratitude's all mine because I really appreciate it and you've got some very interesting uh, um, content I know from talking to you and meeting you in the past. And I know with your energy and enthusiasm of what you're doing, the people who are listening are going, to, are going to definitely, without exception, get some real gems. So let's get the ball rolling, I guess. And I'd say, um, what does interior design have to do with creating a successful business? Well, for me, interior design isn't just about the look and the feel of the business in terms of the colours. It's actually also about how the business functions and the key objectives and the goals of the business owner, I suppose. So for me, interior design is really about creative problem solving. So it's what are the problems in the business? What are the things that aren't working as well as they could be? And how can we create the environment to help the business be as successful as it can? Okay. All right. That, that sums it up. And that's coming a little bit differently to the way that I would have traditionally thought about it. So um, can, you get, can you share with us some key things as far as that's concerned? Now, if you're looking at fitting out a business, uh, you know, a premises, and we're talking here, everybody, about not just a retail, which is what you naturally think of, but you may be talking about a showroom or an office or, or any manner of things. Um, it may even be a, a pop-up that you've got. So um, what are the, what are, say, key three things, um, Alyssa, that you had mentioned to us that we need to be conscious of? Definitely, and I think in all of those different areas you mentioned, whether it's a pop-up to a showroom to a retail space, there's a few things that they have in common. And the first one is for all businesses that have a customer that they actually bring into the space, it's who their customer is, what the demographic of that customer is, and how the space can best appeal to them. So it's essentially creating an impression of the business brand in the interior and making sure that the interior of the business really translates to the to the personality of the brand, that it really appeals to their target customer. And that be everything from the colours to the furniture to the actual branding that's in the space in terms of their graphics and signage. That is, I suppose, the look and the feel of the space. The other parts that often aren't necessarily considered in the same way are the customer flow and the service flow. So if it's a retail business or even an office space, it's how the customer comes into and uses that space, making sure that things are arranged in a logical order for them from the point of walking in the door to making a purchase to actually going through the point of sale and walking out again, and from the service flow 
how does that work for the staff within the space? How can they be more efficient? What tasks do they generally do and how can the space can best facilitate those tasks? So I guess it's the two parts of it are the function and then the appearance as well of the business and making sure those two come together. Right, that makes sense, doesn't it? And we've all we've all got to somebody to the boardroom and had to walk through the kitchen or past the open mm. doors of the toilets or that sort of thing. It, it's just not a good look, you know. And I, 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 as well, I mean, um, I, I'm lucky because my wife's in design and she's always been passionate about that sort of thing. So she's often looked after my business. But you know, even your office where you are, you may not be dealing with clients regularly in the office, but having the right environment so that you're in the right space so that your customer flow on your desk, on your computer, um, and where your forms are and so forth, it's all part of the same, it's all part of the same problem and the same creative problem solving, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. And sometimes working with different, particularly in offices with different business owners, sometimes the whole point of the exercise when they're looking at a new design is internal. So it's really creating a sense of culture for their own staff internally to feel that it really reflects the type of customers they have and the type of business they have and that they're not just sitting in a hole in the corner. And it is also that efficiency in terms of how do your business systems work and is the way that you've looked your space really making the most of that or not? Because often the two aren't necessarily thought of in the same context, but it's also part of the same thing. Absolutely. You know, the one space we're all familiar with, or blokes, put your hands up, you should be, is in the kitchen, where ergonomics plays such an important part. But I won't go off track too far. So just some, I'd like, to, I'd like you to give me your view of um, you know, why customer experience is important, particularly in a franchise business, uh, Elisa. So let's talk retail and hospitality specifically, because I guess it's a little bit different in terms of the experience of, and the customer coming in but it does also apply to other types. But particularly for a franchise, to look at creating a style and doing each of the stores within the same style initially is really important from a brand point of view. As you grow a business, and essentially your commodity is the business, it really needs to be recognisable and customers need to relate to that business. So if you have a brand and know the key elements of it that really relate well to your customers that your customers respond to and make sure that that is documented and included every time you revise the brand or you do a new store. It's really important in attracting new customers, in retaining your existing customers. Because if you were to walk into a McDonald's and suddenly the layout's really different and every other McDonald's you've experienced one way, it's a bit of a surprise for the customer and that may be what you want, but normally consistency makes it successful in a franchise point of view and all of those go into building a recognisable brand. So the brand is not just the signage out the front, it's actually the whole experience of how your customer interacts within the space, all of the elements that make that up, the graphics, the lighting, the seating, that's their whole experience of your brand. And if you're able to capture that and then recreate it the next time, it's just making it more successful as a brand each time because the customer becomes familiar with it. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I, when I think about this, that particular question that you answered there, I think about Brumbies as a 
as a brand that's been around now for some years, but every five years they refresh the brand, and you can still recognize mm-hmm. the logo, but it's changed. It goes through a little bit of a change, a little bit of modernization, and their, their shop fronts and their menus, they all change, but they're all recognizable. So you could look at Brumbies 20 years ago, um, for example, when I was involved introducing them to, into Western Australia, and you look at them today, and you could see the progression. So the, are they a reasonable example as far as continuity of a brand's concerned from your point of view? Definitely, and I think it's about having a bit of an analysis of what the key elements are that make you recognisable. So some franchises make the decision that every time they create a new store, it's exactly the same. But sometimes in a case like Brumbies, it's really saying, well, what is it? that we're offering to our customer that they're liking and that they continue to come to us for and making sure we maintain that as the brand progresses because you do need to update. And if if you just the time walk on something and it stays 30 years and it's exactly the same, it's not going to have the same appeal to customers anyway. But it's really understanding what those elements are that need to be kept and what elements can be refreshed without actually diluting the brand Right, yeah, and I guess this is this is uh, is critical when you look at more and more businesses are going into micro outlets. You know, particularly in retail, it may be it's it, it may be uh, Just Cuts or it may be Brumbies or any of those other stores that have stores of maybe two or three different sizes and even even um, small displays in the middle of shopping aisles in shopping centres, kiosks. Uh, so keeping the brand continuity through there's probably probably a bit of a challenge because you've got, to, you've got to choose a few key things. You can't put everything in, can you? Certainly. And if you think about something like Boost Juice, for instance, every time a new store opens, it will be different because the layout is slightly different, the approach different from a customer's point of view. But there's certain things they keep the same, which are signage and colours and the type of menu offerings they have and the type of experience it is. So that every time you approach a new Boost Juice, you actually understand how you walk up to it, how the ordering system works, where you would wait intuitively. Okay. So, so I get that from a design point of view, it's coming up with a bit of a style guide initially that documents what those key elements of the brand are. And then every time it comes new specific site, slightly reinterpreting that to make sure you maximise the site also. Okay. Looking from the other side of the counter, so what does customer's experience have to what does customer experience have to do with branding? Well I in terms of how the customer understands the brand, is that what you mean, Brian? Yes, yeah, yeah. How they what's their impression? How do you how do you work to that? How do you um, I guess see, look at it from a customer's eyes? Yeah, well, I guess for me, it's in the design approach. When you look at a new site, it's really understanding how the customer walks up to you. If you're in, the, if you're in a kiosk in the middle of a shopping centre, for instance, and you have a customer approaching from one way or a customer approaching from the other way, making sure that it's appealing to them from both sides, that they are able to see the menu, that how thinking through how they would actually access the counter and how that process would work from the customer side to allow them to easily make that point of sale purchase and wait for their order. So it's more so in the planning that you get that customer experience into the design and then understand what it is that customer needs. So are they a takeaway customer that's just picking up and they want to go or are they a mum that's going to have small children and they need somewhere to sit down? So it, it all really relates back into the graphic design and branding behind 
um, what you're doing as well in terms of really understanding who your customer is and what the demographic is and then what their requirements are of what you're offering. Okay. So how do you capture that from the point of view of, you know, as a business owner starting out as a franchisor or wherever you may be on that on that journey, um, how do you how do you capture that customer's um, experience from your point of view? So you can replicate it, I guess. Mm. It depends where you are in the journey. A lot of the business I work with will have one business already that is quite successful, and that can then be used as a place that they try. So essentially, they test everything and see whether it works within the environment of already running that once. And then that then gives them the confidence that they know what is successful and that they can replicate. If businesses aren't in that position that they have the existing business yet to test and try, I would say it's really in sitting and watching what happens. If you're thinking about taking on a site, sitting there and coming back at different times of the day and observing what directions people come from, talking to existing business owners in the area, who may be in the same strip but not competing with you in a business point of view because I have found that business owners watch and observe those things and they know the trends in the area. They know the, the days that people come in and shop and the demographics of the area. So they tend to be the best source of real information even outside of business brokers and leasing agents and those sort of consultants you can work with. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So looking at it on the inside... You mentioned uh, earlier about service flow. So what about work, what the workflow and uh, I guess how you can impact the bottom line of the business with that? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's understanding how many people the business needs to function successfully. And in some businesses it may be that in a retail or hospitality business there may be busy periods and there may be slow periods. So if you're functioning in a slower period and you want to be able to function with one or two people, then the store layout really needs to facilitate that happening in terms of if it's going to be one person's role to make a coffee and the same person's to operate the point of sale, they need to be located close together. So it's, it seems to make sense, but very often if it's not thought through in the really early stages of putting a design together, things can be not quite correct in that the space doesn't align with the roles of the actual people using it and then you don't create ultimate efficiency. And the same thing is very important in the hospitality context in the kitchen and back of house in actually thinking about it as stations. So if there's going to be two or three chefs working in the back of house, what are their tasks going to be? How can the equipment be arranged? so that one person works within an area and someone else works in the wash-up station and someone else works on the prep bench, so that you're not constantly crossing over paths with each other and efficiency, I suppose, in the process. Right. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So um, moving through from there, we're talking about, you know, workflow. So how do you take workflow that step further with regards to improving your efficiency and Reducing, I guess, re reducing costs wherever you can, you know, through, through, from, from a design perspective. Well, the way that I approach it with my clients is to look at the tasks that are actually done in the back of the house, when they're done and who's doing them, and then try to actually do a little mind map of how that process works. So if, for instance, it's as simple as assembling a hamburger, 
where is the meat cooked? Where is the cheese stored? Where is all of the ketchup containers? And where do you put it all together? And making sure that the process is actually completing that little square in terms of the physical space that you need to complete that all happens within one area. And, and also thinking through, does that involve one person or is there actually someone on the grill and someone putting the burger together? And how do those stations then relate to each other physically in the space? And it's amazing once business owners start thinking about these things, they understand it because that's what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. But it's the putting it down on paper and then getting it into the space that often isn't realised as well. That's true. But my experience personally and with most clients is once they start to write it down, they actually often start to be a little bit more forensic and actually realize there are ways they can improve what they've already been doing. And, uh, and the same when you get a franchisee on, on board. That's where the great contribution is. You get a franchisee on board, maybe your pilot or maybe your first, second, third, whatever it might be, and they just have an observation. They see it with a different pair of eyes. And I, that's where someone like yourself coming in as an expert with multiple experiences across all sorts of businesses um, I believe can add something because you're coming in with a very open mind, whereas the person who's created the business is often just too close to it. It's just too, you know, it's, their, it's not just what their baby, it's, it's what they've designed and it's what they know. So it's their reactive <laughs> sort of behavior, mm -hmm. isn't it? That's I agree. Yeah. And I think that we do get into a habit in business of continuing to do things the way that we've done them, which is not necessarily always the optimum way to do it. But I think there's a really good synergy and tie-in with as you go through a franchising system and you're putting the systems together with a customer, that then they're really understanding the way they do things and, and coming up with ways that they could do them better. And then that really closely interprets with how it transforms into the space. So when they do have the opportunity with you, as you say, to sit down and put it down on paper, that's the most important bit because the more you can really understand how you want things to happen in the ideal um, process, the more you can make it happen physically in the space. I'm with you. That's interesting. So, let's say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Brian franchisor. I'm just starting a new, a new, a new outlet or new business, a new business concept. Um, yeah. where, where do I start when it comes to creating this whole? issue of customer experience and the design and the branding and the energy and so forth. What's, 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 what would be your tips about that? Well, there's a couple of things. I think one of the biggest is surrounding yourself with the consultants that you need because I think in any decision like that, you need to talk to people who you feel that you can trust and have a good rapport with and that can advise you on all of the technical aspects of the decisions you're making because often held back making decisions because they don't have all the information. And I think it's very difficult for one person to ever have all the information. So it's really just getting the connections and getting the network that you need is the first step. And then really knowing who your customer is and where they are. So if you're set, setting up a restaurant, where are the hungry people that you want to serve food to? So before it goes down to the demographics of should it be this shop, it's really the broad brush strokes of where do I start and who can introduce me to those areas. And then it's what's your point of difference? So what are you actually offering to that market that's going to make your business 
be more successful in every other business that's there. And once you have a broad brush approach on all of those, then you can get down to the nitty gritty of which shop do you want to go and what the time frame is. Right, yeah. So... So it's, it's really doing your marketing strategy thoroughly at the beginning, knowing who your customer is or your avatar, as I call it. So who is your ideal customer? What's, your, what's their profile? And then taking it from there, then you start looking at your fit-out and so forth because uh, if, you, if, you, if, you start, if you start with your fit-out first, and a lot of people do, it's like designing your business cards and your brand and your logo. You get very excited about it. But there's actually other things you need to bring in, isn't there, which – which um, are important, and, I, and you're never going to get it right first time. I, I don't think that, you know, beginner's luck really is a bit of a myth, isn't it? It's, it's always I going agree. to evolve. I think the first time you set up the business, it's always your area to test and try. So rather than it being this is the finished result, I think it, it's wise to think that this is how you really test the market. So it will grow and it will develop from there. And I think setting up, from a design point of view, setting up a style guide and setting up an understanding of your brand up front is really helpful before you just go off and do things and buy things and put stuff into place. It's the thinking up front that actually saves you a lot down the track. But then you will always rethink and reinvent that as you go and as your customers tell you what's going to work in the market. What, what would you envisage with your style guide? Not everybody would perhaps be familiar with the style guide. Would you just give us a brief description of what you think the key, what you believe the key elements of a style guide are? Well, it really does vary according to the industry and according to your customer. But the style guide would traditionally be a collaboration between your branding and graphic design and the elements of the interior design. So it would look at things that might include your signage, what your typical counter joinery would look like, what your typical layout might be from a customer's point of view, what it might be from a staff point of view, what your equipment in the kitchen would be, what all of your finishes for the front of house are in terms of your colours and your paints and your laminates, what your flooring is. So it's really itemising what all of the elements are that make up your brand experience, and then it's also looking at those and saying, well, what of these things do we need to be consistent and what things might we vary between the different stores? So you may decide that seating is something that you might do differently for your different demographics, whereas you might like to keep all of your counter joinery and your signage the same between the stores. I'm with you. And this flows through into your internal office um area as well, of course, with things like the fonts you choose, um, not just colours and styles, but sizes, all those sorts of things, you know, your, your letterheads, your business cards, um, the uniforms, it sort of flows all the way through. That's all. Does that all come under the style guide, basically? Definitely, it can do, and it depends how much detail the business wants to put into the consistency. Hmm. I suppose the, the benefit of doing something like a style guide does you to be consistent because then as you or your franchisee make the next business, you're doing it along the same guidelines to each other. So I guess it, it just gives you a point of reference that you can make sure that what you're envisaging the business to be is what is actually built or constructed, whether it's you or whether it's someone else further down the track that's actually in control of that construction. Okay. So I guess we're coming around to what what's going to make it stick in people's 
you know, in your customer's mind. So what, what is it, you, what, what would you be looking to do? Maybe you can give us an example or something, you know, just to make a place, you know, identifiable so people uh, recall it, memory recall when they're thinking about going for this particular service or product again, that you become top of mind. Certainly. And I think it depends. Normally that, for me, just comes out in conversation with the client in terms of what their ideals are and what their objectives are they're trying to achieve. I'm working with a client at the moment who is creating a juicing kiosk. Right. And what came out for him as his point of difference is he wants the design to be very simple, but he wants it to be about the theatre of food. So all of the elements within the design are actually the fresh produce and the fresh food. And that can relate to everything from his back wall display, which is all um, acrylic fruit containers, right through to, as he presents the juices, they have large chunks of watermelon and pineapple on top of them. So it's taking one idea and tying it through all of the elements of the design and actually the operation of the business so that it really creates a bit of a wow experience for your customer. Mm, that's sounding, that's, that's sounding mouth-watering as you describe it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> So, okay, so, so what, what we're coming down to then is when the customer leaves the store, they need to, to have said, I think you used the term, it's a wow experience. Yeah. That's really what we're coming down to. So that's at the end of the day, that's, that's as simple as that. Well, that's, that's excellent. Well, thank you. I really appreciate some gems in there, some of that information you've given us. And uh, I think that uh, it just highlights that all these things are interrelated. You've got to do your... You've got to do your work up front with your product, with your demographics, with your, you know, your avatar, knowing who your customer is, because if you go into it without having all that information, you're not going to get the right sort of answer come out the other end. So you've got to do your homework, and that's where experts at any level are so important, people who can come with a fresh pair of eyes and add, I think, a bit of that bit of point of difference to make you memorable. So... Lisa, I really, uh, really enjoyed that conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I run through a little bit of a summary? Thank you, Brian. I think that's all that I needed to go through today, but I'm happy for anyone to contact me if they want more information or to talk specifically about their business. L lovely. Um, I might just mention, and I'll do it again at the end, Elisa's phone number, um, because you can call. You're happy if I give people your, your mobile number, Elisa? Yeah, sure. Sure. At 0415. It's 0415-199-466, And Elisa lives in the Brisbane area, so remember where time zone-wise, around the country or around the world where we are. Um, Elisa's company name is called Renew Design. That's R-E-N-E-W, Design. And uh, perhaps just give us your website, website address as well, um, if you would. Yes, it's www.renewdesign.com.au. Simple. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, all right, now, uh, I understand when we were talking earlier that I uh, we had a little bit of a discussion and you were happy to make a, an offer of a little, you know, of a, a brief design consultation with somebody who's listened to this particular radio show. So th how, would they, how would they do this, uh, that's Alicia? Right. If you just contact me, whether it's by phone or by email, my email is alyssa, A-L-I-S-A, at renewdesign.com.au, then we'll make a time. If you're in the Brisbane area, I'm happy to chat with you in your business. And if you're not in the Brisbane area, then we can chat via Skype or over the phone. But usually what the conversation is, is just going through 
where you're at, what your goals are for the business and any questions that you have about how the fit out and design process works. So if you want to pick my brain or get any contacts that you might need, I'm happy to offer that. That's lovely. And I must say, Elisa is very generous with sharing her, her knowledge and contacts and so forth. And, uh, and you, do, you do work around the country, so from that point of view, distance is not really a tyranny. You can share with photos and videos, I guess. How do you, how do you, how do you handle that, Elisa? Uh, how do you find operating around the country, different places and so on? Yeah, that's definitely fine. It would be, usually I would want to meet with you on site, depending on the project at least initially, yep. to get an understanding of where you are but then it can really be done quite remotely because we can collaborate very well digitally these days once we have that initial site meeting. That's excellent. Look, thank you very much, Alyssa. I really appreciate that. So we've got quite a few questions been answered. If people have got any more questions in this area, please get in touch with Alyssa or with myself, Brian at howtofranchisesimply.com.au or 1300 um, that's one three hundred nine six zero one three six. I hope you've picked up as much knowledge as I did. Um, it's uh, every time that I listen to Alyssa, and I've been to several of her forums, I pick up a few little things that I think will all add to that touch. So it's important to uh, to take note of that. So I suggest you all um, go and read your notes, and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. So Alyssa, I'd just like to say thank you very much again, and I Thanks, look forward. Brian. To I look forward to speaking to you again, and I hope everyone's found it as valuable as I have. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you on the next radio show. Welcome to the franchise.